0: Welcome back to the 20th and Blake podcast presented to you by Mile High Sports. I'm Cade Walker, as always, and today I'm joined by the newest member of the Rockies coverage team for Mile High, Brian Kilpatrick. Thanks for joining me today, Brian. I'm looking forward to hashing out this opening series
1: with you. Hey, thanks, Cade, for having me on.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, So you came out with your first piece earlier today, uh, breaking down this series, Um, just wanted to ask, like, what do you think, how do you think our pitching staff looked, our starters specifically?
1: I think they looked really good. Um, even the one kind of bad, bad bad-ish start, uh, for John Gray, it was really a matter of one bad inning, which has been the case for him, um, at multiple points throughout his career. Um, but again, just kind of one bad inning and, and Bud Black had a pretty quick hook for him, um. He had a pretty quick hook for all the starters because no one's going a hundred pitches yet. But uh Kyle Freeland certainly made the most of his eighty pitches getting through six innings and Herman Marquez going uh going five no hit innings is, is nothing to scoff at either, so it kinda makes me think that maybe that new Rangers ballpark is gonna play toward pitchers a little bit, but at the same time, we know that the Rockies' top three starters at the very least, we know what they're capable of, um, and we know that they're capable of being very good or better major league pitchers, um, with the, the big question mark obviously being Kyle Freeland, but you know, there was a lot in spring training and a lot leading into this season uh, happening with him to make you think that he's got at least some sort of a bounce back year in him.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I thought his stuff looked really good, um, I, and I think even near the end of uh, Freeland's outing, um, I mean, he gave up two earned runs, right? And one was the uh, home run to Joey Gallo, and the other were just a couple of weak hits that were strung together. Exactly. Um, so other, yeah. So otherwise, like I thought he looked really good. His stuff was great, and he um, kept poor contact for the most part, except for that one, that one to Gallo.
1: Yeah, and he he finished really strong. Um, I was surprised to see him just – that one inning where he gave up the run on a couple of dink and dunk situations um, and kind of got – really was failed by a really poor defensive play by Daniel Murphy um, on a bunt. But last year I think that might have sent Freeland into a little bit of a tailspin, Um, but he – Man, those last couple of innings, he looked great, just mowing down hitters and staying aggressive, and, and he's, he's got really good separation on his fastball and his off-speed pitches, um, which wasn't always the case last year, too, so um, obviously really small sample, but like I mentioned in my article, it's going to be a whole season full of small samples, and it's such a short season that really nothing is, nothing is to be ignored.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean the biggest sample we're probably going to get is 60 games for position players and what maybe 15 starts for, for starters. So, uh, yeah. Um, let's see here. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree with that point on Gray. I think he looked, he looked really solid early on. I think he continue, can continue his success for the last couple of years. Um, I think he probably got fatigued a little bit around the 75 pitch mark. He started missing with his fastball, but otherwise he looked pretty solid. I think.
1: Yeah, for sure, and it could have also been a matter of just making adjustments too. And if he wasn't, you know, if guys weren't on a pitch limit at this point, he might have been able, might have been given the chance to work through that, and uh, you know, maybe get through six innings or so. Um, and work through that rough patch he was going through in that one particular inning. But, you know, at this point in the season, um, his start was certainly not a lot to worry about. And I think with him, there was a lot more good than bad.
0: Yeah, and I think the linchpin for him that last inning was the um, the little five-pitch walk to Jeff Mathis.
1: Yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely not a guy that you want to walk. No, you, you throw him. Yeah, you you should almost treat Jeff Mathis like a pitcher. Um, just throw him strikes and uh, and make them beat you for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean he doesn't even break the Mendoza line.
1: <clears throat> yeah, offense has never been Jeff Mathis's forte but yet the guy's carved out like a 15-year big league career so uh you know who are we to criticize i guess
0: yeah 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 he's he's a solid backstop, up good uh good veteran guy <laughs> um but to to seal up that inning though uh daniel bard he he came in and he um he looked pretty effective in his inning in a third
1: yeah man pumping 99 too um I I was really surprised by that, because obviously, you know, he's only in his mid-30s, so we're not talking about, especially for a reliever, a guy who's over the hill necessarily, but seeing him come in and and pump it at 99, he's got good movement on his pitches, Um, you know, regardless of how he got there, it was going to be an excellent story for him to get a win in his return to the big leagues after seven years of being gone, but to see him do that while also actually really pitching well and not having it just be a matter of luck. Um, I thought that was really cool. And I also think it bodes really well for the Rockies bullpen to have a, a good Daniel Bard in it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think he threw like 25 pitches and 20 of them were strikes and considering that's a guy that just recovers from the yips, that's, that's really impressive to me. Um, and I think all of his pitches looked really good. Obviously, we mentioned his velocity on his fastball, but also his movement on um on his slider looked really good. And I thought um yeah, he all around he was he was pretty solid. I I'm excited um that we were able to replace like a Brian Shaw with with a guy that uh, looks like he has some pretty electric stuff.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I wish I could um I wish I could go back and see the exact at bat, but Someone had not at bat against Bard where it was like ten, twelve pitches. I want to say it might have been Willie Calhoun. Um, I thought
0: uh, it might have been him or Danny Santana. It was one of the two. Yeah, it
1: was one of the two. But to see Bard be able to put him away and you know just stay aggressive, keep fighting, not giving in, and be able to put him away was uh, I. I remember just what I was feeling while watching it. It was like, man, it's that. It's really incredible, incredible to be gone that long and to be able to come back and just, you know, have that type of a, of a battle with it, with a batter and be able to win it and you know not let you know previous thoughts of the yips or whatever else get get into his head and just be able to keep fighting and set a guy like that down in a situation like that. Um, I thought that was really special, and it turns out it was.
0: Yeah, for sure, uh, and something that I might that I I kind of just thought of that I think might um, be an additional help uh, for the Rockies that he was. So Bart was working as a mental skills coach with the Diamondbacks the last couple of years. Um, And I think we mentioned Kyle Freeland earlier, and I think Kyle Freeland's struggles last year, obviously were both physical. Uh, He was recovering from that blister that he had early on in the season, but I also think um, he wasn't able to bounce back uh, mentally either. So I think maybe having that, sort of addition, uh, could help out the rest of the staff as well.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, it's in a, in a 60 game season, you're not going to go through all of the adversity that you would in a 162 game season, but it will present its own set of challenges. Um, and I agree that having a guy like Bard, a guy with his experience and a guy with his, you know, apparent mental skills, um, is going to be good for that bullpen and, and, and even some of the starting pitchers as well. And it's, it'll be interesting to see what his approach is when the Rockies start having to play home games and then jump back out for a quick road trip. And what I like to call the court, the real course field effect. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that mental approach plays out in those situations.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so aside from Daniel Bard, how do you think the rest of the bullpen looked?
1: I thought they looked really good. Um, I uh, Yancy Almonte was awesome in his one appearance. And then uh, Jairo Diaz, I think it was on Saturday, um, got himself into a little bit of trouble and then struck out the next two batters and just you know did an excellent job getting out of – I think it was – was it second and third and no outs? Um, that that Diaz had in that inning and just mowed down the next two guys and I think got weak contact out of, out of the third hitter. And, um, you know, to, to be able to just be able to see guys fight through that type of adversity is, is a good sign early in the season. Um, and then, you know, they're going to get some help too. when Scott Oberg is healthy. He's obviously been one of their best relievers over the last couple of seasons. Um, But, you know, coming into this season, I didn't think the bullpen looked as bad as a lot of people thought. I mean, you're going to get growth out of Carlos Estevez, going to get more growth out of Jairo Diaz. They've got some other guys um, who are ready to contribute as well. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes when the bullpen starts having to be used a little bit more. I thought that, you know, the Rockies did a good job getting length out of their starters considering – you know, the type of pitch, uh, limitations they were on earlier, early in the, this early in the season, but they're, uh, they're in pretty good shape in the bullpen. Um, I would like to see, I guess Wade Davis is, although the results were there, I mean, he, you know, he got two saves. He did give up a run, um, in the one, in the one game, but it was again, kind of a dink and dunk situation after a walk, but he, uh, he was a little bit concerning because he's just kind of throwing low 90s right down the middle. Um, once hitters get kind of a little bit more in their groove um, as the season goes along, it'll be interesting to see how his stuff holds up. But Davis's stuff didn't look too great to me, results aside. But the rest of the bullpen, you know, I feel a little bit more confident in than, than people might have assumed coming into the season.
0: Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, Wade Davis, his, his velocity um, has definitely dipped a little bit. Um, even, like, his movement looked a little bit lower um, than, than what we've seen from him um, in the past. But, obviously, he wasn't really able to control it
1: um, yeah, he could. previously. Yeah, you know, he, so. he could be the type of guy who, you know, he's pitched long enough to where, you know, you'll see it with kind of older guys, more experienced guys. They'll pump up the velocity a little bit as the season goes along. Um, You know, with all the circumstances leading into this season, it's possible that, you know, he didn't, well, not possible, it's probable that he didn't get the type of preparation that he's used to. Um, So, you know, maybe some of that velocity will come back, but as of right now, if it's going to stay like that going forward, I don't think Davis is going to be too effective.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, and maybe we'll end up seeing Oberg take over the closing role by the end of the season again, <laughs> uh, considering that he, like you said, he's been probably our most effective reliever over the past few seasons. Uh, but you did mention Yancy Almonte, and he, I think he had one appearance. He had two innings in that appearance, and he was lights out. Like he, um, his velocity was uh, like mid nineties. I was throwing like ninety four to ninety six, um, and his stuff looked fantastic. Like his slider was breaking really well.
1: Yeah, Almonte came to the Rockies organization as a starter, um, and it looked like they were going to continue to entertain him in that role all the way until he reached the big leagues. But, you know, as it turns out, he's doesn't quite have the full slate of secondary offerings that you want in a starting pitcher. Of course, neither does a guy like Antonio Senzatella, but he's in the rotation. But, you know, Almonte, is, he's got more of a reliever profile, and, um after kind of bouncing back and forth in those roles for a couple of seasons, and then also, you know, being on the express shuttle from Denver to Albuquerque, you know, many different times last season and parts of the year before, settling into that role and uh, being able to do it consistently, I think is going to be really good for him because it's certainly not a question of stuff um, for Yancy Almonte.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we didn't get to see. Was it Tyler Kinley, James Pazos, and Philip Deal? Is that, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, Kinley's a guy who pitched really well in the spring, um, pitched really well toward the end of last season. I think he's – he had really good numbers in his minor league career too. So he's he's the type of guy who I think a lot of people are expecting to, to contribute good things in that bullpen. Um, Pazos is kind of the same way. He throws hard and he's uh, – He's a big guy, big imposing figure um you know who who should be able to to give the rockies some juice somewhere in that bullpen as well phil deal uh is more of a s- more of a control command guy than a pure stuff guy, but um knows how to get dudes out so they all have um some upside to them, but I think what we saw um, this first series of the season, that those are going to be kind of the, the, uh, the mop up ish type of guys um, who will get their opportunity. Of course, at certain points during the season to, to prove their worth and maybe um, rise on the, uh, on the totem pole of the bullpen. But those aren't bad guys to have, um, you know, just kind of in emergency or mop up situations. And I'm sure we'll see, more of them here in this next series.
0: Yeah, um, and I think with the the three batter minimum, we the Rockies don't necessarily have a need for like a primary lefty out of the bullpen. Um, but uh, if there was one to pick, I'd probably have to lean Pazos. Like you said, he's he's a big guy, he is a big imposing figure, but also um, like in terms of his profile, um, his last full season of. Uh, percentile rankings on baseball savant like he he was above average in essentially every category like fastball velocity expected weighted on base average barrel percentage um, and these things so i think that was it was a good pickup i think he'll be able to contribute um even if as only a mop-up guy
1: yeah no doubt and uh there's they've got i mean they've got a whole bunch of other depth in that bullpen that they would definitely need in a lot in 162 game season this year, you know, maybe not so much, which is a good thing, but you know, they, they've got an Ashton Gudeau who's probably going to be ready at some point during this season. Um, you've got Hoffman in there as a potential spot starter Hoffman and TG Gonzalez, I guess both. Spot starter slash um, long relievers who are going to be able to to give them some help too. So again, it's I think I mentioned this on my own podcast um, earlier in the year when actual spring training was happening before everything got crazy. But that bullpen, both on paper and just kind of logically when you look at each of the guys, is going to be a lot better than people think. Now the bar is not that high, and the Rockies traditionally you know, don't have that great of a bullpen. A lot of that is because guys get worn down so quickly, but this group, not only is it better than people think on the surface, but also because of the um, different circumstances of this season, um, it might be even that much better.
0: Right. Um, But yeah, yeah. I think um, overall we have some pretty good depth pieces and we, we showed it off. Really well this opening series, and hopefully we can continue that um, through this these next couple series. And uh, in a sixty game season with such so few off days, I think uh, the bullpen will matter a lot more. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so aside from that, we we only put up what eight runs in this series.
1: Yeah, so not a great offensive output. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, I think the Rockies, at least in this series, have had a similar issue to what they've had in years past in the fact that their offense is really top-heavy. Um, they have studs at the top of their lineup, and then it really falls off after their fourth or fifth guy.
1: Correct, and that's that's been an issue for the Rockies for a long time, even dating back to when Troy Tulowitzki and Carlos Gonzalez were in the lineup. Um I don't know if it's a statistical evaluation issue or a player evaluation issue, but, um, the offense is never as good as the people who build the team seemingly think it is. Um, to me, it was the clear weak point heading into this season because, yeah, you've got Arnado. Yeah, you've got Story. At this point, you can count on Charlie Blackman to do what Charlie Blackman does. Um, but who do you really have beyond that? And 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 part of the concern there is David Dahl's obviously a really good player. He was an all-star last year, but he's rarely ever healthy. And he's, he's put in a lot of work. Um, he, he came to, he came to summer camp looking jacked up this year and we'll see if that helps him um, kind of retain some strength. Uh, I'm sure it will during a shortened season, but you know, he's got health concerns. And then beyond that, you really just have talent concerns. Like is Ryan McMahon really an everyday player is, you know, is Garrett Hampson a major league quality uh, player is, you know, you don't have any offense behind the plate. Um, And then you've got, for some reason, an unproven commodity in Rymel Tapia, because he's kind of been jerked around the whole time he's been in the big leagues. And then you don't know what you have in Sam Hilliard. Um, and, the, and there's just a bunch of other guys like that. So on paper, whatever gut feeling it was, both of them um, led me to believe that that was the weakness of the team entering the season. And we've seen the, this, the Rockies offense that showed up in Texas. I mean, we've seen that offense countless times over the years um, where they're just not able to get a big hit in a key situation. I liked some of what I saw from the offense in terms of approach but um at least until sunday we weren't, weren't able to get many big hits or really any hard hits at all and that was a little bit concerning
0: yeah definitely uh hilliard put up the golden sombrero in opening day and that was uh not not thrilling um,
1: and he didn't look much better in the finale either
0: <clears throat> right yeah overall he he didn't he didn't look really really good um i expected more from ryan McMahon. i've been um, I've been really bullish on McMahon, uh, because his batted ball profile is so excellent. Um, and I think he's a really talented guy. I, I just need to see him put it together.
1: Um, but yeah. I, not, I, yes. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, and he's got yeah, some sure. of the, he's got some of the better on base skills on the team too. Um, and he did have that on display a little bit, um, but you know, he, he he took some pretty good at bats. He kind of got screwed in one at bat in particular, where he got called out on strikes, and not a single strike got thrown in the at bat. So, but at the same time, he's you know he's he's got to make those adjustments, and I don't know how confident I am in him doing that, just because he's we just we don't know who he is yet. We know that he like you said, he's got a good batted ball profile. He's got good on base skills. So those two things combined would make you think that he can put it all together um, sooner rather than later, but you just don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think just based off the skills, I, like I said, I'm really bullish on him. So I would lean towards him being able to work that out, but um, I definitely did not like what I saw this opening series. <laughs> and then you mentioned a guy like, like Tapia who, doesn't have a good batted ball profile. And he, um, like you said, he's an unproven commodity. So we're, we don't really know what we're going to get from him, but, um, yeah. And then, um, Hilliard is another guy who has really good batted ball profile, but it was in such a small sample size that not really sure what we're going to keep getting from him, um, moving down the line. Um, and yeah, he, um, didn't look great. And, um, Daniel Murphy looked okay though. He, uh, he was a guy where I wasn't really sure what he was going to do because last season was kind of a fall off year for him. Um, but it was probably because he was dealing with injuries. So uh, he had a couple good at-bats and he looked pretty decent at the plate, I thought.
1: Yeah. Murphy um, looked a little bit more comfortable than he did at certain points last season. My man, cons- I-, I do think Murphy's going to hit. Um, he's, you know, Seems to me like he's a clear, obvious candidate to hit three hundred and ten, three hundred and twenty, um, playing in a Rockies uniform. And even despite the fact that he's getting a little bit older, I think he's going to be able to do that. Um, like I said, he already looks more comfortable at the plate than he did at certain points last season. My main concern with him is he just – he looks absolutely awful defensively. Unfortunately, um, there's a DH, so maybe the Rockies can, can – move some pieces around and make that happen but this team's inability to like find a player who knows how to play first base well and be able to put them there regularly is 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 super maddening and i'm not real sure why it's the case it's almost like jeff brightish fell in love with the movie Moneyball or something i i I don't know i'm not real sure but um That's kind of a different topic, I guess. But yes, to your point, Murphy looks more comfortable, looked pretty good at the plate. I don't see why he won't be able to have a solid season, at the very least in terms of batting average.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, I think DH would probably be a decent role for him because he did look really slow defensively. Um, His feet are just not not quick. Yeah. and someone who was a really capable defender in the prime of his career at second base, you'd figure he'd be able to uh, at least have some range over at first base, but didn't look like it this first series. Um, and I was hoping Ryan McMahon would be able to take over at first base, but that sort of banked on the Rockies being able to land Brendan Rodgers or Garrett Hampson as a regular, consistent, everyday starter at second base, um, or even Chris Owings. But yeah. Uh, um, I have other issues with Chris Owings because he's never been a good hitter. No, um,
1: and and McMahon and McMahon's a really good second baseman too. So it's like, you know, it's kind of hard to have him be the guy to make this switch when, you know, he plays a, a more than capable second base. So, um, yeah, again, it's just, and he was never a first baseman either. He was a third baseman coming up. So just. I know that you don't really shoot to develop first baseman. It's kind of like, you know, that's where you put guys when they have a really good bat, but, you know, can't play defense that well, you know, in other spots. And it's kind of similar to how you don't really focus on developing relievers. Like you just kind of pick the, you know, pick failed starters or pick guys who profile well there and just kind of slot them there. But, it seems like there should be a balance between that and then what the Rockies are doing.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, And then Tony Walters uh, was an interesting, an interesting guy this week because I thought um, he, he famously barreled up like it was like three baseballs last season. Um, And I think he, he had a lot of solid contact uh, a lot more than I was expecting from him. Um, He, he had a good, Uh, I think it was an RBI single in the last game. I'm not 100% sure, Um, but he he looked like he was scoring up the baseball really well. So maybe it's an indication that um, he's at least trying to swing a little bit harder. Um, I know previously the Rockies hitting coaches were basically telling him not to try and hit the ball out of the park every time or at least – try and hit doubles or triples every time and basically just have the guy slap singles over the infield. Um, And maybe that's a that approach has changed. Maybe that's different for him because it looked like he had a little bit of zip off the bat um, this week. At least that's what I
1: thought. I would hope so because it's, you know, I don't know why you would ever want to tell a guy to not hit the ball hard. I mean, the key is to hit the ball hard. Now, whether you want to have guys attack the ball from a different spot, like, you know, Speaking of launch angle and whatnot, that's different, but yeah, I hate to see a team try and turn anyone into into a slap hitter and given Tony Walter's offensive performance the last year or two, you know, maybe that is something that they tried to do, but I would hope that you know, you let the guy swing hard and, and kinda of let things fall where they may, because that approach isn't going to be any worse for him than whatever he was doing to, to be so awful offensively prior to this season.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Um, So then this last uh, group of these breakdowns, I want to talk about our defense. Um, I thought it looked pretty solid. The left side of the infield was excellent as usual, and I didn't expect any different, but we also did note that Daniel Murphy was really slow over on the, on the first base side of things. Um, Outfield I thought looked really well uh, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Daniel Murphy was the only real defensive issue that I Saw. Um, I didn't get to see every minute of every game. Um, I probably watched about eighty-five-90% um of the of the three games in total, and a lot of good plays in the outfield. David Dahl made some excellent plays. Sam Hilliard played really good outfield defense. Garrett Hampson, of course, had the uh the home run robbery on Saturday. Um and then yeah, Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story are gonna play good defense. Anywhere they go against anyone they play, um, that's uh, that's just kind of a given. But yeah, other than other than Murphy, I didn't see any real issues um, defensively. And in fact, like we both mentioned, um, there are actually a lot of really significant positives. Um, particularly, like I said, with Hilliard and David Dahl.
0: Yeah, agreed. I, I think even Tony Walters looked really good behind the plate. Um, there were a couple issues I had with his framing. Um, uh, There's a, a few low pitches where I thought he could have um, stuck it a little bit better, got his thumb under it. But otherwise, like, he blocked the ball really well, kept the ball in front of him. Um, and on, on the edges, I thought he got a couple called strikes for our guys.
1: Yeah, he did a better job of framing, at least from an appearance uh, standpoint, than than uh, Robinson Torino's did. Chirinos got some – like, he was – he, he had so much movement on his catches, um, pulling the glove down, you know, six to eight inches, really, obviously, and was still getting those calls. And it got worse throughout the game. Walters' framing was like definitely a little bit more visually pleasing, um, but for whatever reason, what it wasn't as effective with the umpires. So that was a uh, that was an interesting dynamic because, like I said, Trinos looked so bad at it, and yet in terms of stealing strikes, he was more effective results-wise.
0: Yeah, the officiating just wasn't good, I don't think, behind the plate for the whole series.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess we got to give the umps a little bit of reprieve, too, if we're going to give the players some reprieve in terms of, uh, you know, being able to prepare for for such a weird season amid all the weird circumstances. But, yeah, there were some... Particularly in the in the opener um, on opening night, there were some interesting calls to say the least.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially I thought in that last inning, um, there was a call that was taken from uh, I think it was McMahon in that last inning. That was I thought it was a good ball off the plate. Um, he called it on it was it was off uh, at least like an inch of the Subaru strike zone, you know. So
1: yeah, McMahon had a few of those on opening night, and so I, I feel for him a little bit there, and you know, hopefully. Uh, those maybe it's just something as simple for him as those calls starting to go his way that will that will help him uh, get kick started a little bit.
0: Yeah, that pitch was the difference between a 2-2 count and a 3-1 count. So yeah. that that can definitely change the result of an at bat.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh the last thing I wanted to discuss uh, for before, before we sign off is the uh, according to Patrick Lyons over at DNVR, we had nine more invites to the satellite camp over at Metro State. Um, so there, we go from a I think we had a forty-seven man uh, people on the fifty or on the sixty man roster. We're now up to fifty-six. Uh, so those nine guys are Tommy Doyle, Carl Kaufman, uh, Helcris Olivares, Wes Parsons, Willie Maciver, um, Aaron Schunk, Michael Toglia, Ryan Villade, and Colton Welker. Um, so I think I think those four of those guys are our top are in our top ten prospects, and three of those guys are in our top uh, top thirty prospects. Um, now I can't believe
1: Wes Parsons is back on this list. <laughs> yeah, he was kind of the one who stuck out to me. I was like, oh, what, really? <laughs> Again, <laughs> but you know, there's a couple interesting guys on that list. Um, to me, the the most interesting in terms of maybe potential impact to the big league roster is Colton Welker. Um, I compare, you know, he had a lot of prospect buzz going into last season, and on a surface level, he just didn't put up good numbers at A Hartford. Um, however, no one puts up good numbers in the Eastern League. It is so hard to hit there. It's definitely a pitcher's league. I don't know what it is, um, but... No one puts up good numbers there, and you don't even have to look back that far or even look outside of the organization to find a pretty good comparison in terms of a guy who performed really poorly um, in the Eastern League and then kind of caught his footing back underneath him. Now I'm talking about Ryan McMahon. He, he had a similar season um, to, to, to what Welker had last year, but when you look at the advanced metrics and, and – uh specifically, in this case, i'm talking about w r c plus They were both just a little bit above average in terms of production, so that goes to show you that number one offense is suppressed in that league, and that number two those guys were still able to uh to do what they needed to do to post above average production so any concerns that people have with welker um you know maybe some of them are valid, sure, but they should be tempered a little bit because that's a hard league to hit in. And he still performed pretty well um, comparatively. Um, another guy on that list I really like is hell. Chris Um He's, he, he doesn't have a ton of, a ton of experience in terms of uh, how far he's gone up the ladder uh, in the minors. Because what did he last year? He finished uh, in the pioneer league, I believe. So it's, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to make much of an impact on the big league roster. He just doesn't have that type of experience. But we're talking about a guy who um, I think he struck out almost 12 batters per nine innings when he came over stateside last year. And he was three and a half years younger than the average Pioneer League pitcher. Um, so he had some issues with walks. He had some issues with walks even when he was still playing in the Dominican League too. But he misses a ton of bats. And and for such a young pitcher to come stateside in the type of ballparks you have to pitch in in the Pioneer League and put up a sub five ERA um, certainly isn't a bad thing. Especially like I said, when you see how many batters he can strike out and um, and the type of pure stuff that he has from the left side.
0: Yeah, he's pretty uh, intriguing as a as a guy to keep at the satellite camp. So. Um, like, do you think, uh, I, I, as a guy so young, do you think he'll be able to even have any um, impact on a major league roster this season?
1: No, I, I would. Yeah. Be, no, but it's going to be good for him to get into that environment um, and and get the kind of coaching that he needs. And obviously the Rockies think a lot of him to to put him in that situation at such a young age, but But that is a live arm, man. Um, I I, I really like him as a prospect.
0: Yeah, another guy I really liked on this list, and I've liked basically since we drafted him, was Carl Kaufman. Um, I know a lot of people aren't terribly high on him, but I like his stuff, and I think as a pitcher, his profile is probably what um, you'd want at Coors Field. I think he might be able to fit onto the back end of a rotation which is something I think the Rockies struggle with is we've always, we've talked about it with offenses we're really top heavy offensively. I think we've been top heavy um, pitching wise for a while as well. Like we talked about, we have uh, three really solid pitchers and then a pretty decent size fall off after that. So if we can get a guy, I think Carl Kaufman would be able to fit in at the back end of rotation. Probably not this year, but um, at least it seems like they think he's somewhat close to being able to contribute at that level.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And there's, I mean, there's really nothing to, you know, you got no, there's nothing statistically that you can look at for him obviously because he hasn't played in the minors yet. Um, But he's, yeah, just certainly from a tools perspective um, might be able to be a guy who, like you said, is a, is a Coors Field type of arm, but, yeah, they, again, they see something in all these guys, or at the very least, there's something more that they want to see. Um, so it'll be interesting to uh, to see what they do with these guys in this camp.
0: Yeah, agreed. Well, uh, thank you for coming on the show, Brian. Um, uh, well, I'm sure I'll have you on again at some point in time. Um, and welcome to mile high sports. Uh, everyone who's listening, definitely go check out his piece um, over on MileHighSports.com, um, Titled Rockies rely on great mound work to take 2020 opening series against the Rangers. Um, thanks again, Brian.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it. And I'm i uh, I'm super pumped to be part of the team.
0: Yeah. We're definitely glad to have you. Uh, all right. Thank you for tuning in. Everybody go, uh, Subscribe to this, like it, share it all over social media. Um, keep following the 20th and Blake Street podcasts, and uh, tune in next time.